Welcome to Defend What Matters Most Radio, where you stay informed on latest Idaho Army National Guard matters. I'm your host, Tom Westall. This is a bi-weekly podcast that discusses monthly Idaho Army National Guard themes, and it's also an opportunity for leaders and individuals within our Idaho Army National Guard family to come in and talk about their organizations that they're in and communicate information that they feel is important to talk about. Today we have Captain Josh Hedges with us. How are you doing today? Excellent. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Josh is a good friend of mine. We've known each other since 2009 when I joined. Quite a few years now, we were at the University of Idaho together. He's a good man. He's a good friend of mine, and I'm excited to have you. So again, thank you. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited to be here. Josh is with us today because we're going to talk about the 116th, this big transition area era within the brigade. What are the current initiatives happening? What are the changes that's coming up here in the near future and what it means for the individual soldier and the leaders, the family members, and the employers. But before we get started directly to talking about um, all these different talking points, I'm just going to kind of run down a quick bio of Josh here. Josh enlisted in 2007 as a 19 Delta Cavalry Scout. He commissioned in 2011 from the University of Idaho as an ordnance officer, and uh, he became a maintenance control officer with Bravo Company 145 BSB. After that, he became the platoon leader for the same company. He upgraded to the executive officer for the National Training Center rotation. And then uh, the unit said, hey, you know what? I think it's time for Josh to get promoted. He's ready for increased responsibility. And he became a company commander for Golf Company 145 BSB, which is a a brigade support battalion. Is that right? Golf is one of the forward support companies originally assigned to the Brigade Support Battalion, attached out in indirect support to the 2nd of the 116th Combined Arms Battalion. Yes. Okay. Some of Josh's full-time employment he's had out here in the Idaho Army National Guard's various ADOS tours, but in 2014, he was selected as a temporary project officer for the National Training Center rotation. That was a very valuable experience. I got attached to uh, the 116th Brigade as an aviator myself, got to see how the brigade operates, and it was quite impressive, but we're going to get to that a little bit later. In 2016, he was also hired on as a full-time project extra, uh, project officer for Exercise Saber Guardian, which was in Romania. Big exercise. He got to be a part of that and help plan for it logistically. And in 2017, he just recently got hired on as an AGR, as a logistics plan officer. And so this is why Josh is really here with us today. He's been in the brigade as a company grade officer, and he's had the opportunity to be project officers for multiple exercises and future deployments and things like that. So you're the man. Yeah, thanks. And <laughs> and really, the great thing about the assignments I've had and the, the temporary active duty tours that I've had in the brigade is just because of the timing and the, the placement of them and the other events that I volunteered for, I was always in a, a really unique vantage point to observe the transition of the 116th Brigade and it going through the, the training gates that would later become the proof of concept for the sustained readiness model, which we'll talk about in a minute. Sure. Let's jump right into this. What are these major transitions taking place right now? What is going on? Why are we even on this show here? Sure. Well, when we're talking about this transition era, really I'm, I'm talking about the period of time beginning in late 2015 when we completed our NTC rotation and then through the present looking ahead to the next training year. When we completed that NTC rotation, that really earned the faith and the trust at the national level of National Guard units and their ability to perform these missions, these functions. 
So we received the Saber Guardian mission, and we were also informed that we would be uh, receiving a, a change in our MTO, which is a modified table of organization and equipment. Basically, it's the document of record that says, for the kind of unit you are, what equipment are you supposed to have, what personnel are you supposed to have, and, and what is their assigned function, what are they trained to do. So the MTO change was one big transition for us. Another one was the advent of the sustained readiness model, which is just a change in the, the methodology that the Army, especially the National Guard, uses to train proficient units and maintain that proficiency. Let's dive into the MTO change. And again, we've already defined it, and this will be the last time we say it, but the modern, modernized table of organizational and equipment here. At least the brigade has MTOs. In the aviation battalion, we're still struggling. We're, we have an attack reconnaissance battalion, but we got Blackhawks and... You know, this whole ARI thing, Army Restructure Initiative's killing me. But back on topic with the 116th, let's talk MTOs here and, and new units. In the past, I had uh, Lieutenant Colonel Stick come on board to talk about a new engineering battalion. What other organizations are new to the 116th? Sure. Well, that's a great starting point is our Brigade Special Troops Battalion, the uh, BSTB, went away and was reorganized into a Brigade Engineer Battalion uh, consisting of heavy combat engineers with breaching clearance assets that normally we we didn't have before in the brigade. So that's a huge change for us. We also converted the reconnaissance squadron that we had in state into an armored combined arms battalion. So now instead of having two combined arms battalions in the brigade, the brigade has three. And our reconnaissance mission was uh, assumed by the first of the 221st Cavalry out of Las Vegas, Nevada, which means that instead of uh, being a tri-state organization, Idaho, Oregon, Montana, we now have Nevada in the mix as well, and they've been great partners to work with so far. That can be kind of confusing because, you know, this is the Idaho Army National Guard, an Idaho Army National Guard podcast, and the 116th Brigade, for most of our listeners who are maybe not within the brigade, it's not just necessarily Idaho. We have Idaho Army National Guard soldiers within the 116th Brigade, but we have other states and other state National Guard units who fall underneath the command of the 116th. Correct. Okay. All right, so we talked a little bit about tri-state organizations and things like that, but the so what? what why does an MTO change matter to us? Well, the impact down at the soldier level is this really means uh, a wave of MOS reclassifications. Uh, essentially, there, there are a lot of soldiers that were trained to do a job, and with the MTO restructure, we no longer have those jobs in the state of Idaho. So a lot of those soldiers went on to qualify in another MOS or gain additional skills training, and those training events that, that we required them to go to may or may not have been in lieu of their normal annual training. So it's more more time in boots, more in training requirement. In addition to their drill weekends and Correct. things like that. Right. Correct. Um, and, and so really that, that creates a situation for the soldier that they need to keep their family, their employer aware of. And it, it uh, also creates situations for the unit where for key training events, we might not have some of our key soldiers present. And that makes it difficult, especially for company commanders, which we're going to get into a little bit later about how you handled this whole thing right. as a company commander. But, man, you know, think about this here. You have an M-Day soldier who's part-time. At least they think that they're part-time anyway. And they have to reclassify because of decisions that's being made well above their head. They got to go to school. And lo- sometimes it's probably last minute, hey, can you pick up this course and head off to the school, right? Exactly. Yeah, you got to be ready to go on the dime. And, you know, that's what we signed up for. We signed up to serve our country and be a part of a greater cause. And I think that's a real deep root for why soldiers sign up too. And there's certainly a, a positive aspect to that as well. They are broadening their skills, their abilities within within the framework of what the Idaho Army National Guard does. 
makes them better soldiers, gives them the opportunity to become better leaders, and overall ensure the safety and the proficiency of our soldiers. Absolutely. All right. You mentioned earlier the sustained readiness model. (laughs) What in the world is a sustained readiness model or this SRM model that you speak of? Sure. So the Army as a whole, but especially National Guard units, are are relooking the methodology behind generating a force. So TRADOC produces for us trained individuals, soldiers and leaders. But we come together and we need to figure out how do we become proficient in our combat tasks at the platoon, company, battalion, even brigade levels. And the SRM model is the most current methodology on that. It's essentially an upgrade to the Army Force Generation model or Arfogen model that we had been using before. Okay. What was wrong with the Arfogen model in the past? If we're trying to transition to this new SRM, what was wrong with what was working before or what we were using before? Well, it's it's better to maintain a higher state of readiness and proficiency over a longer period of time with the Arfogen model. Whenever a unit would come back from mobilization or whenever they would complete the cycle, there would be a sharp decrease in the readiness due to the reset year, which is where unit comes back and they focus more on new equipment training. They focus on individual MOS qualification and NCOES or OES. And when they come together for training events, it's mostly from the individual to the squad level. Now, with the SRM model, that reset year goes away. And some of the training gates that normally we would be required to complete once every few years, now we're completing uh, sometimes once a year. As in the instance with platoon gunnery through gunnery table 12, we we do three out of the four years in the SRM cycle. Okay, so you're you're kind of moving into training events, right? What kind of training events actually take place with the SRM? So we're looking ahead now to 2018 where our maneuver units will qualify their platoons through gunnery table 12 which is a pretty ambitious training objective. But and why is that ambitious? Because we've got a lot more training events than we normally would have in a training year. We have to qualify our platoons in their, their uh, gunnery tables. We have to complete an XCTC this next training year. And what does is, that stand for? That's an exportable combat training capabilities. At the NGB level, they, they commit to us, they resource for us a package of observer coaches, opposing forces, and instrumentation so that in our own training area or a training area more accessible to us, we have a lot of the training opportunities that normally you would get at a a combat training center such as NTC or JRTC. So you keep bringing up more training opportunities, more time, but what are those implications on the soldiers and their families? This makes it difficult, I would imagine. Absolutely. There's definitely an increased sense of urgency in this unit, and it's felt all the way down to the soldier level Greater training requirements, the the whole idea that you come to drill for two days during the month and 15 days during the year it's is a thing of the past. a thing of the past right. for sure. Right. And making sure that, A, soldiers understand that that is, that is going to be the new norm for us and making sure that their families and employers are aware of that as well and keeping those lines of communication open. To break this down a little bit deeper about what the implications are, let's think about this. The implications on the soldier with their employer – Maybe they can't do that 40 hours a week times four weeks consistently throughout the year now. So now they need to start communicating with their employer saying, hey, you know what? I think that I'm going to have to adjust my training, my, you know, my, my daily or my weekly work schedule with you because 
I have a Muta 6 coming up, and that's going to push me Thursday through Sunday or whatever. You know what I mean? So sure. it, affe- it affects their time that they have with their employer. But that's not necessarily a bad thing either because even though they're not with the employer or at their job, they're gaining valuable training and valuable skills within the combat formation too. Absolutely. And, and that really is, I think, the right attitude to take from this. When I was employed as a civilian, my, my employer had a very encouraging and very supportive attitude toward that. He saw all of my um, volunteerism for the brigade and going away on these other training exercises as a good thing for his company because I was getting good leadership training. I was getting good management training, and I was trained in keeping other people on task in a safe and efficient manner. And I think another important thing to bring up, and if you're an employer listening to this and you do have a soldier who is in the 116th Brigade and they had that very frank probably nervous conversation with you that they're going to be gone a lot. You know, you can always contact. It's, it's within your full right to contact the unit. Ask ask your employer if he can have a conversation with the company commander or, or the senior enlisted advisor, the first sergeant, or the battalion commander, or anybody within the battalion or the unit. They'd be happy to talk with you. Um, communication is key here, and having a shared understanding of the responsibilities of that soldier, both with their M-Day employment and within the brigade is important. So I couldn't agree more. Um, okay, I want to move on here. I want to. I got a question for you. Yeah. So I'm in the aviation battalion, completely out of the 116th Brigade within the Idaho Army National Guard. About a year ago, uh, I got a memo and a tasking order that I had to bring all my soldiers into a room and ask for volunteers of who wanted to leave my my formation and join the 116th Brigade. And there is not a darn thing I could do about it. So. What is this urgent unit status thing all about, and why is it affecting me? I am really glad you asked. So <laughs> the 116th has been designated an urgent unit. We are we carry with us equipment and people with skills and a, a level of proficiency that really is useful at the at the national strategic level. And so we're being resourced for additional training, for additional manpower, for upgraded equipment. We are very valuable to the national level, and we're being treated like we're valuable. So it's very important that we're fully manned. It's maybe at this time more important that the brigade is fully manned than that other entities within the Idaho Army National Guard are fully manned. Right. Okay. You were a company commander. I should probably talk a little bit closer, Mike. I'm breaking my own rules coming back here. (laughs) All right. I'll set the standard for how to work the microphone. You as a company commander, how did you manage this? I mean, I'm just trying to think here. You got to tell your comp- your you know all the soldiers within your company that hey things are about to change. You said earlier this is no longer a one week in a month kind of thing where it's a show up Saturday morning, leave Sunday afternoon, and get home by dinner. Sure. How did you set that kind of expectation management for what to what's going to come in the future? You know, I did two things. The first thing is I, I was very frank with my company and I briefed them on the SRM model in in abstract in general. I actually had a, a glide path out there and talked to them through the high points and explain to them what this means for us. And for me, I was I was very enthusiastic. This is a really good thing for our unit. This is a very good thing for the state of Idaho. This is really a good thing for National Guard soldiers. We're going to be so well trained because of the things on our plate over the next few years. At the soldier level, though, I could tell that this was a little bit overwhelming, that this was not what they were expecting to hear, maybe not ready to hear. And I think my enthusiasm maybe helped to a degree, but where I really made money... I think and I hope, is I took the NCOs in the company aside. And we had a a pretty lively discussion about making sure that 
we as leaders don't sour the soldier's attitude on this. There will come a day when one weekend a month or, or two weeks out of the year or whatever we expected of the National Guard is completely no longer the norm. And as soldiers come into the Guard, these increased training requirements are just going to be what they're used to. And so it's on us as the leaders to cultivate that culture that emphasizes and, and is very enthused about the additional opportunities on our plate. I think you hit on the head. Listening to the way you answer that question, I think it came down to the culture that you're establishing and who establishes a culture, the leadership, the people, the influencers within that organization. Especially so, NCOs. Yeah, yes. Especially NCOs. So if you can get buy-in with your NCOs, and, and I should back up, what is an NCO? A non-commissioned a officer. Non-commissioned, non-commissioned officer, non-commissioned officer which is a senior enlisted um, representative within uh, the Army formations. But that's another conversation. Um, so, yeah, culture, that makes complete sense. How did you manage the unit readiness, though, to complete this mission? You know, really, there, there's two sides of that as well. There's, there's some analysis and there's some management that go into that for sure, understanding your own unit's capabilities and shortfalls, especially in terms of its training, your unit's training proficiency, your unit's manning and, and your strength management, and your medical or administrative readiness. So those are all things that I took a look at and worked out with my, with my NCOs, with my non-commissioned officers. Mm-hmm. But really... It's about communicating the intent for that company and empowering junior leaders to do that. As soon as I took the attitude that I would only do the things that only the company commander would do and I would trust my platoon leaders and platoon sergeants to carry out that mission and I would work with them to understand what that was and what that end state was we desired for our unit readiness, we saw great results and we developed a great team. Josh, at the end of the day, the MTO changes, the sustained readiness model, creating that culture within your company to embrace this new, this, this new model within the brigade. Why does it matter? It's all because of readiness. It's all about the readiness of our force collectively to go wherever the nation needs us to go and do whatever they need us to do. Now, as General Milley noted recently in an, in an interview, Wars are not fought by armies. They're fought by nations. And readiness for us doesn't just mean the readiness of the soldiers or the units. It means the readiness of the families and the employers to support their efforts. I keep hearing this term elitism, 116th elitism. <laughs> and I was just like, what? Why do I keep – why is the 116th elitism, this term that I keep hearing elitism? It's, it rolls off the tongue, elitism. Sure. What does that mean for our you, nation? You know what? The the soldiers who are in the 116th Cav, definitely myself included, are very proud to be a part of this unit. We did some really outstanding things at this NTC rotation a couple of years ago. We were the first National Guard armored unit to do a decisive action training environment versus a counterinsurgency um, training event. And while we certainly learned some lessons there, we performed very well. We earned the trust of the nation for um, National Guard units to be able to take on the sorts of missions that we do. Immediately following that, we went to support Exercise Sabre Guardian in Romania, and we did some really outstanding things there too. We put our own equipment on rail cars here in the U.S., moving from four different states to a seaport in, in Charleston, conducted uh, – we, we moved all that equipment over the ocean into an unproven – 
seaport, a seaport that had never been used for importing heavy maneuver equipment like this, and then back on rail cars and up to a training event. Essentially, we deployed, and we did it very, very well, and we did it very independently, and we were able to support strategic efforts around the world, and we performed very well in Romania, and we performed very well getting back. We are a unit that has done a lot recently to be proud of. You know, elitism, the tip of the spear, something to be proud of, and I like that. You know, for those who are listening, the military, and especially the 116th with this topic, is a lot more than you might think. We're speaking to a logistician right in front of us here. You heard how in-depth it can be. I've seen the railheads out in the OCTC. We have an entire facility in a railroad track that comes in and loads up like, I don't know, like a mile or two with all this equipment, uh, vehicles and and armored vehicles and connexes. And just it blows my mind how in-depth it is. And it takes months to plan out. And it's so impressive. And it is something to be extremely proud of, especially when you guys have been doing it year after year. And, uh, and absolutely could not have been done without the enthusiasm and the commitment that we got from the soldiers in our organization. All right. Looking ahead, with the new MTO changes and the new sustained readiness model and this new culture that the, that, that the 116th is trying to build up with this new understanding and this new mission, right, what kind of training events do we have to look forward to? We have a pretty aggressive training plan incorporating both gunnery and maneuver over this next training year, and including uh, an XCTC rotation like we talked about before, along with a brigade warfighter exercise. Really, that's a, a mission command exercise where battalion and brigade staffs practice and become very good at commanding the battlefield from inside a tent, learning to communicate, learning to produce actionable orders and gain actionable intelligence and keep the fight moving forward. And that's just in the next year. In the year beyond that, we plan on attending the National Training Center again and doing even better than we did before and, and really, really excelling at our mission, being ready in future years to do whatever the nation requires of us. The Idaho Army National Guard, and specifically the 116th, is busy, and it's going to get busier, and it's a very, very exciting thing to look forward to. Josh, do you have anything else to say today? No, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, you know, it's my pleasure. Again, you're a good friend of mine. I'm super excited that you get to sit across the desk and we get to have this conversation. So um, that wraps up that conversation. You know, if you are listening and you maybe you're not in the military, but you maybe consider it, you know, I encourage you to give me a phone call, 272-3707, or reach out to a local recruiter. Uh, you can check out our Facebook page of uh, the Idaho Army National Guard. You can check us out on Twitter or Instagram. And... Uh, just ask the questions. You know, we'd be happy to talk with you, and this is a great organization you want to be a part of. And, again, this is Defend What Matters Most Radio, where you stay informed on the latest Idaho Army National Guard matters. And we are on iTunes now, so search Defend What Matters Most Radio and subscribe. We're also on SoundCloud. You can search us in SoundCloud. It's going to be up on our external website soon. So we're all super excited. I know I'm excited. This is starting to go places. And uh, I look forward to what's coming up here in the near future. Future, If you want to be on the show, give me a phone call or shoot me an email. Come see me in person. I'd be happy to get you scheduled. And this is for anybody within our organization to come and ex- uh, communicate their mission and what they do. So, again, thank you for everything that you do. And uh, we'll catch you in two weeks. <laughs>